0: Welcome back to The Obsessed Marketer, podcast designed for you, the small business owner looking to jumpstart your business and learn quick marketing strategies that you can take with you to increase your sales, reach, and growth. I'm Andrew Hayes. I'm Taylor Booman. And Taylor, welcome back to the podcast. You haven't haven't been on in a while.
1: Yeah, it's been a minute, but hey, I'm happy to be back.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So um, a brand new year is on the horizon, right? 2023 (laughs) is coming. (laughs) Um, 2022, I feel like, uh, was a pretty tame year in the in the world of marketing, um, maybe not in the internet stance of things. We're talking about Twitter and all the other stuff going on. So um, we have a fantastic episode for you today, all about kind of what we should be expecting 2023 and this can be taken if you're a small business owner and maybe trying to build your brand further right yeah In into 2023 these are some things that um, you're definitely going to want to take a look for right Taylor
1: oh yeah for sure there's a lot of good tasty tidbits in this episode what are some stuff that you've been finding a lot about
0: um, in the future of 2023
1: Uh, 2023 seems like a year where brands are going to need to look inward uh, upon themselves and really think about what they're doing as a brand Uh, people are looking to them for you know, guidance things like Patagonia. I think we talk about uh, later in this podcast as like, hey, these are people we look up to because one, they're great with climate change; two, they really value their employees, and just so much more. And it's just something that we can look forward to in 2023, along with uh, accessibility for all, not just for anyone.
0: Now, so now your specialty is ADA, ADA compliance, yes. uh, especially on the web too. Um, so there's a lot going on. I mean, do you feel like when you're interacting with a brand. Do you, do you care about, you know, whether or not they're relating to your interests and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, very much so. I don't shop at a lot of establishments due to their, you know, um, moral standpoints and things like that. Um, I think that it really does affect everyone. And I think that if you're going to be You know, a person who is buying from a brand, you really should look into what their practices are and how they're affecting you as a consumer because what they do does matter.
0: Yeah, and that's just personal, right? (laughs) These are just us personally, right? Yeah. Um, So that's why when it comes to 2023, that's a big point that's going to be hit on by our guest. His name's Neil Heckman. He is just an incredible source of knowledge, right? Tons and tons of experience in global startups that you've heard of like Casper and Noom and he's also done a lot of marketing work and work with businesses in that are big national brands too. Uh, you can find all of his information in the show notes, but we're gonna get talking with him about what's going on in 2023 in the world of marketing. So stay tuned. Let's get to it. We are joined today by Neil Heckman, a remarkable marketer and leader with loads of experience working with some of the largest global startups. Seven plus years of agency experience working with prominent national brands, and uh, now a founder of Breakfast Consulting. Uh, welcome, Neil. How are you doing?
2: Good. Thanks. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. So, do you want to just go ahead and kind of explain a little bit about your background, what you what you do, how you kind of started your own agency too?
2: Yeah, definitely. So I. Started my career in the agency world. I was overseeing performance marketing for some of the the most well-known Fortune 500 brands, Verizon, Nationwide, the the big players, um, who really had unlimited funds. And then went to a smaller startup performance marketing shop, where I think the the biggest brand I was working with at that time had about an annual budget of $3 million. So very different from the Verizons and the Nationwides of the world, which definitely prepared me for the the in-house experiences that I jumped on shortly thereafter during the sort of direct-to-consumer uh, startup boom, Casper and Away. And those two brands, I was overseeing all performed and paid across really every marketing touchpoint from paid social, paid search, some of the affiliate programs, all the way down to direct mail, shared mail, TV, radio, podcasts, out-of-home the the whole the whole gamut of this idea of producing revenue from a marketing channel at a rate much higher than the marketing spend that was being deployed. And then uh, right around the time that I was wrapping up at Casper, I was working with a consultant for for a project and the consultant did a a perfectly fine job. He or she for that matter were were able to complete the task at hand, but I, I kind of realized that As we were thinking through the right way to be working with these brands, working with these consultants, there was an opportunity that existed for fractional support across all of these startups, and the startup marketplace wasn't going away, but this idea that a consultant could come in, be briefed on a project in the first month, go and do the work in the second month and then come back and still feel like that was the the priority for those startup brands which were changing so regularly was was not really the, the the reality of a situation. So Breakfast Consulting was founded on this idea that brands, especially in the startup space, seed series brands, need external partners who have gone through some of the trials and tribulations from a marketing stance in a fractional capacity Instead of paying the full-time salaries for a CMO who wants to come in and set strategy, they need that person who's both set strategy, executed on the strategy, optimized and analyzed the strategy to really be an extension of the brand truth thought partner. So that's what I do on an ongoing basis, a daily basis with half a dozen, eight brands right now, really thinking through how they show up where they show up, and arguably most importantly, why they show up. All the brands that I work with right now, something that I tell a lot of my friends and family, my goal is to make these brands household names two to three years from now. They are not brands you've many people have heard of right now, but that's something that I kind of goal myself against. This idea that two to three years from now, these brands should be household names, a majority of people should be aware of them, and they're kind of the the up and coming rising stars of the the direct consumer challenger space.
0: Well, I mean, like, even so, I'm like, <laughs> if you don't know what a Casper mattress is or Noom, if you've never seen it before, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? So, what better? Who, well, you're, there's no one better right now in the space than to talk about kind of what are we projecting for the new year, right? We're just coming up on 2023, right, Taylor? Yes, we are. And so. <laughs> I mean, what, what are we looking forward to for 2023?
2: I think a lot <laughs> has changed in 2022. And that's sort of a little bit of a right sizing coming off of COVID. You know, there are brands that did really well during COVID. There were brands that did really uh, different level of business than they had been accustomed to prior to COVID. And then there was the COVID right sizing. So the brands that did really well during the pandemic did less well post-pandemic, brands that didn't do as well during the pandemic, kind of saw that right-sizing. There was certainly some over-hiring, some under-hiring that was happening at brands. And we're kind of seeing that, unfortunately, fold out right now. I feel like every Mm -hmm. single week, some weeks, every single day, another tech platform is laying off employees. Another startup is laying off employees. And it's a super unfortunate thing that the the right-sizing often impacts people, but that part aside i think 2023 will bring with it much more of a normal period and it's going to be a new normal you know i would say the second half of 2022 is much more reflective of what's going to happen in 2023 where brands are settling into a post-covid norm hopefully we can all look forward to a time when there's not going to be more um, breakthrough cases in extreme capacity a new variant that's really (laughs) upending the way we're living again yeah fingers crossed for sure yeah (laughs) yeah very much so Brands are getting a little bit more comfortable with these ideas of taking swings and understanding that their business is becoming more predictably reliant, knowing that or hoping and assuming that there won't be another uh, significant skewing to their business. Uh, So I think different from 2022, 2023 will hopefully be a little bit more of a settling, a little bit more of a relaxation of the unknown. And brands will really be able to lean into everything that they learned, in, on a positive and negative way in 2022, plan a little bit further out and really start to think more along the lines of this sustainable and profitable growth versus, and I would even say this is a a, a flaw pre-COVID, so many brands were focused on growth at all costs, really spending whatever they needed to spend to acquire a new customer. And that's just not the way that the, the investing pool, the venture capitalists are thinking about areas to invest and what a successful business looks like.
1: Yeah, that's very true. I know like when I was doing my research that I found that most people are trying to, as like companies, look more inward than like outsourcing a lot of their work. They're trying to do better for climate change and other like political slash like economic issues that really are hitting home with consumers. So it's definitely nice that people are starting to kind of narrow in on that aspect and really, you know, pushing forward and making it a part of their brand.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think the the idea of giving back is is something that, especially the younger generations, thankfully, really yeah. have in and uh, something that they really care about. They want to be customers of brands who are doing right while they do well. And I think mm-hmm. by no means is that going to be like the the main charge in twenty twenty three. But a lot of the brands that I've been inspired by are understanding what the perception of their business is to the general community. And I think in some instances, whether this is right or wrong, they are capitalizing on it. You know, I think we've all seen the news recently about how, uh, forward thinking Patagonia, for example, has been, and that's a brand that I know so many brands that I work with and have worked with look up to and really want to become that. So I think 2023 much more of a normal business basis. That doesn't mean brands won't have fire drills and be running from one thing to the next, but that does mean that the predictability should allow for longer term planning through which brands can really find cost-saving efficiencies from both resourcing and even just the way that they're thinking about their own time so we're
0: talking uh, about brands and branding what is that kind of looking like in 2023 right we saw this year i mean i feel like i saw a lot of nostalgia branding
2: a lot of you know different stuff like that what what are we kind of looking forward to so i think 2023 on the on the branding side of things you know I think a lot of the the original direct consumer startup brands were really successful because they sold an idea, a mentality, a lifestyle much more than they sold a product or a service, you know. Kudos to Casper. Before Casper was around, I don't think anybody even knew what kind of mattress they slept on. Now everybody is aware like, "Oh, I sleep on a Purple. I sleep on a casper i sleep on a Tempur-Pedic, and it's not something that people go and talk about at parties or anything like that but (laughs) it's definitely this idea that like you make it an industry essentially by creating a name and giving something for people to care about away always said that it doesn't sell luggage it sells travel so i think this idea of giving people experiences through branding that experiences for the past I would say better part of three years weren't available to people. And, you know, I think within those experiences also becomes this new need for brands to be accessible. You know, there was, there was so much happening over the past couple of years on the social justice side of things that I think brands really needed to look inward and show how they're, becoming both more accessible and in some cases less accessible and they need to write that ship because like we were saying earlier younger generations are not the people who are going to stand up and support brands who aren't accessible who aren't thinking how does everyone fit into our brand in some capacity without excluding anybody so i think If 2022, 2021, especially the back half of 2021, when things were kind of right-sizing a little bit, were were the periods of nostalgia, I think 2023 is emotional connections in a different way, where you're really trying to connect with all people by introducing yourself in a new way by showing up in a different place and by producing products and services that without alienating of course your original base customer just creates this new feeling of inclusion that i think most consumers are seeking now in their in their brand selections i just want
0: to add in here what what do you mean by like accessible how would you kind of describe that to like maybe somebody like a small business owner or something like that
2: yeah, so a couple of different ways I think accessibility shows up, either in having a product or service in a place where a person can try versus just, you know, having a showroom in New York, LA, Miami or something like that. And that will also show up through traditional retail partnerships. A lot of the direct consumer brands have really come around to this idea of Partnering with Walmart partnering with target in order to get their product or a version of their product in front of more audiences Through that sort of trial source and most people thankfully have access to a Walmart a target within their home spheres So I think that's accessibility thing one then accessibility thing two is just this idea that Products and services, especially for the masses, should be for the masses, not just for the people who can afford a certain lifestyle, a certain uh, a certain something. You know, it should be much more mass appeal, while still um, continuing to do right by existing customers. And honestly, I think a lot of that has to do with the way that brands think through what their creative is going to look like. You know, not every single person who Uh, is going to be a future direct consumer customer, is going to look like who the customer has been. So that person needs to see themselves in the ads. They need to see visuals of people who look like them. They need to be thinking, how do we make sure that we're producing products for, for everyone, not just who the customer has been?
1: So would you say like accessibility would also uh, you would see that in websites, for example, like I know one of my specialties is ADA compliance within websites and branding. Do you think that's also going to be trending with this kind of rise in meeting the expectation of the consumer being you know represented in those brands and seeing themselves in them?
2: Yeah, I think so. And honestly, I think we have a lot to thank TikTok for on that front. You know, I know there's a lot of discussion on whether TikTok is a is a good platform. We don't need to get into that. But I think <laughs> yeah. TikTok is really the the first place who has been caption forward. You know, has been a majority of videos that you watch on TikTok have captions on them. You know, they have ways for users to interact with the app in a way that, you know, a lot of the other platforms didn't really think of right away. And I think that sort of forward accessibility is something that as one platform does it, others will follow suit and they will have to follow suit because if they don't, they're going to look like this big nasty compared to the groups who are doing it properly.
0: I mean, TikTok even makes me watch Netflix now with subtitles on because because yeah. I'm like, you know, I'm watching TikTok and I'm like looking at the captions and now I'm like, OK, yeah. Netflix, got to watch, got to yeah. watch with the captions on. I'm just used <laughs> to looking at captions. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, I'm, I'm glad it's moving towards a more accessible um, yeah. a more accessible future, especially when it comes mm-hmm. to brands and, and products. Um, just a side question here, too, just based on brands and everything, um, the future of privacy, And I just want to see what, what you think about that when it comes to brands and businesses moving forward uh, into next year.
2: Yeah, so uh, I, I think most people are probably aware of this. It's been in the news a lot. I, everything that happened with iOS 14 privacy changes where everything is much more, do you opt in? Are you okay with sharing your data at the individual app level has certainly upended the way that marketers think about Targeting, think about their ability to really attract customers and find the quote-unquote right customer. I think as we go through 2023, privacy will continue to be front and center, especially because if nothing else, we've learned that as marketers, we're largely beholden to these huge companies and at their whim of what they're going to say their new privacy standards are, which is a great thing for a consumer. You know, As a consumer, I want to be controlling my data. I want to know what I'm signing up for, more importantly, what I'm not signing up for. As a marketer, that definitely creates a tricky situation when we're trying to put products and services in the right people. If less people are opting in to share their data, then there's just still the same number of brand players who are trying to target that person. There's just less people who look like that person. And candidly, I think as the the continued challenges from post iOS 14 are are underway, it really creates this opportunity where traditional marketing channels, TV, direct mail, out of home are much more highly thought of than they were even two years ago when iOS 14 was not the standard. You know, there's no reason that brands shouldn't be thinking in a more traditional marketing lens coming off of the heels of iOS 14. But also when I think about my own consumer journey, you know, I never walk into a, a party or a gathering and say, did you see this great Instagram ad the other day? I typically say something along the lines of, did you see this billboard that's in the news? Did you see this TV commercial? And I think that's a missing element that now because some targeting capabilities from a digital marketing capacity are not as, uh, marketers are less confident in, it creates this equalizing opportunity where streaming TV, traditional TV, direct mail are much more considered as a viable opportunity for marketers. All right. Nice. That, that answered my,
0: that was a side question that I was just like, I was thinking, I'm like, I wonder what he thinks about like privacy and all this stuff and metaverse meta, blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> which is a whole so, other question. A new thing we, every
2: day. Oh,
0: gosh. Yeah. Um, so let, let's kind of switch over here into kind of the B2C marketing space. Um, what, what have we kind of seen kind of change in that landscape and, um, how kind of has it changed a little bit since post-pandemic?
2: So I think a lot of the changes that are happening on the, the B2C side of things are have largely been dictated by everything that's going on in the, the VC fundraising side of things. So the the original model was let's spend a million dollars in marketing. Let's try to get more than a million dollars in revenue. If brands were going to to miss their revenue target, they would throw money at the problem. The main metric that investors and brands and boards and founders were looking at was the cost to acquire a customer. That has, I would say, significantly shifted over the, the past little bit where a lot of the brands that i work with who were going through fundraising this past year are going to go through fundraising they are much more focused on repeat customer rate the lifetime value of a customer because it's much less expensive to get more money from an existing customer than it is to acquire a new customer so a lot of the i think ideology around b2c marketing will remain you know You always need to acquire new customers. You always need to bring new people into your community. And most brands have a belief that they are doing the right thing for a majority of customers. That's why they started their business. But I think over the next couple of years, we'll start to see an even higher emphasis on email marketing. I would say over the past two or three years, text message marketing has become a much bigger part of a lot of brands' opportunities when it comes to marketing activations and all of that has to do with just the shifting conversations that are starting at the very highest levels of yeah your growth numbers are great but how do we make sure that as you continue to grow it's becoming as efficient if not more efficient to get more sales more revenue from the people who are already aware of you
0: I mean, so you were saying email and text message marketing then are going to become very important. Um, Are there any other ways that that's going to continue to – any other channels, I'm sorry, that are going to be very important then going into that?
2: Yeah. So I think a lot of the direct-to-consumer brands, the the sort of glory days of direct-to-consumer, if you will, really came to be because they were – Instagram brands, you know, I think these lifestyle-esque brands really uh, showed individuals what they can be and the experiences they can have based off of exactly what their Instagram grids looked like. So I think, you know, similar to an owned channel, i.e. email or text messages, I think organic social channels are going to be very important and this isn't to say let's start talking about twitter or anything like that but i think a brand spreads <laughs> t- twitter a brand's instagram account are ways that brands can continue to speak to broad audiences many times people who opt in to either follow their accounts or somehow get something shared with them but you don't pay to post on those on those channels so i think that's a way that It has been less on the revenue side of things of viable channel for revenue growth, but I think especially as the privacy piece is is, uh, still muddled, there's still things going on on the attribution side of things, I think there's a lot of opportunity for brands to think of their organic and owned channels outside of just email and, and text messaging as a revenue opportunity as well.
0: Do you have any uh, predictions for social media and what's going to happen for next year at all? Uh,
2: I, I do. I think uh, <laughs> brands will continue to invest in a lot of the, the lower funnel revenue driving channels, Meta, Google, those aren't going anywhere. I think in tandem with that continued investment, brands will test in a more aggressive way opportunities to diversify that spend. And by diversification of spend, again, can't say enough, Facebook, Meta, Google are not going away, but a very healthy marketing portfolio includes that diversification where there's not an over-reliance on any one or two channels. And you can figure out ways to make those channels work even better by having a very healthy pool of people from which you're prospecting at a higher level so i think next year you know twitter aside let's let's not go down that rabbit hole just yet i think the the digital marketing landscape will continue to be a main source of revenue generation and attribution for a lot of brands but i think more broadly brands will continue to think through what they know and what they don't know from those digital channels and how that can apply to a more broad approach to targeting in something that's less attributable and less revenue generating in a one-to-one capacity.
1: Um, One question off of that too, that we were wondering is, uh, so based off of that, like recommendations for effective planning and brand building while acquisition costs are increasing, what would your recommendations be for the new year of 2023 for those kind of, you know, issues and concerns that business owners may have?
2: Yeah. So I think business owners really need to be aware and cognizant of what their seasonality is going to look like for next year, which for all intents and purposes should be a normal year. Again, let's keep our fingers crossed that there's not another variant that significantly skews things, but 2022 for all intents and purposes should be looked at for most brands as the new normal. You know, It's not going to be 2019. It's not going to be 2020. It's going to be 2023. And I think 2022 is the without using the phrase copy and paste, a nice replica of what 2023 is going to look like. So if brands had a killer Black Friday and Cyber Monday that significantly increased their overall average order value for the entire year, or they did 35% of their overall revenue in November and December, you brands should not be thinking that that is going to significantly change next year. And I would say more importantly, they in some instances should not have a significantly over-reliance on months outside of months that did really well in 2022. It's not like next year is going to lead to this crazy, oh, we can beat every month by 20% or something like that. Mm-hmm. With every all the whispers on the housing front, on the recession front, there's people saying we are currently in a recession. There's people saying it hasn't started yet. But the interesting thing is we won't know we were in a recession until we're out of a recession. So I think there's this constant bubbling fear of just like what is the consumer capacity to spend when does that change and how do we sort of think through everything that we learned in 2022 make sure we're making positive strides against the the negative learnings but how do we lean into what worked really well and how do we take it a step further without having the the wild expectations that 2023 is going to look different from 2022?
0: Okay, so it's not going to be too crazy different, right? If you were doing it well this year, mm-hmm. just taking what worked well, building upon it, no big shifts in the way we live life, hopefully. <laughs> um, <laughs>
2: the only other thing that I think is also important in that is just this idea that brands and we, we we sort of touched on this a little bit brands need to be to be testing you know I a lot of the brands that I advise try to encourage them to have between five and ten percent of their total annual budget specifically for net new testing and that should be split pretty evenly across most months unless you know one month is just going to be a total shot in the dark, whereas another could lead to more solidified or statistically significant learnings. I think that idea of testing a new channel, a new audience segment, a new way of messaging, a new something is very healthy and sort of lends itself to providing more opportunities for brands to take those little swings that can turn into big opportunities.
0: Would you say that's something that maybe even a small or just starting out brand should be implementing into their strategy then
2: I would and I would say at a smaller scale you know if you are targeting people 20 to 35 on on meta and google expand it to 20 to 45 one month or something like that it's not going to significantly change your efficiencies it's going to show you Is there more of an opportunity here than we thought? And if so, in the long run, that's just going to decrease your overall costs because your pool is bigger and there could be a net new cohort of untapped potential there. So yes, regardless of the size, testing cannot be understated. Take smaller swings or think about less frequency, more focus on a bigger test opportunity.
0: Awesome. Well, Neil, I think that's all the questions we had. I think you summed up pretty well exactly what to kind of look forward to uh, for 2023, starting a great year next year off. Yeah. Again, hopefully everything is going to go great. Uh, let's not think about recessions or Twitter or COVID. Um, <laughs> so Neil, uh, if they want to reach out or find anything else that you do, where can they find you?
2: So I can be reached through my my business website, which is breakfastconsulting.com. I have a calendar link on there where anybody can and should schedule time with me just to to bounce ideas off. You can schedule time for any number of reasons, uh, especially if something that I've said here kind of triggered your interest.
0: Nice. Well, Neil, thank you so much for coming on, giving all your insight, and uh, we really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Sounds great. Thanks a lot. Taylor, it's looking like 2023. I I want to call it like the year of broad. Yeah. No, I think that's a that's If that's, if that's such yeah. a word that would be equivalent to that, right? Yeah. Trying to, like, according to Neil, right? Yeah. Kind of like diversifying. And even as he said, as an actionable tip for somebody who's doing marketing for a brand and doing their testing is bumping up that age from like, you know, if you're doing 25 to 35, bumping mm-hmm. it up to 25 to 40. Yeah. To kind of see.
1: Yeah. It's untapped potential. You can't know until you try. And if you don't try, you won't succeed. So test, test, test. Yep.
0: There's anything that you can do is test. Um, we have a lot of episodes where we mentioned that as well. If you mm-hmm. want to check out any other episodes of the Obsessed Market or podcast, we have them linked down in the show notes below and in the description of the YouTube video. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. We have some great episodes coming out in 2023. Um, Taylor, hopefully you'll be back and <laughs> definitely a part of them. And um, if you want to get a little bit of help with your marketing and maybe even help with a little bit of your planning for 2023, if you're still doing so, or if you haven't, go to ViralSolutions.net, click the little blue chat bubble at the bottom. We'll get back to you, or you can request a free consultation too at ViralSolutions.net of your business. But we will be back right at the beginning of 2023 with a brand new episode. We're so happy you're here. Subscribe for more episodes and we will see you next time. I'm Andrew Hayes.
1: I'm Taylor Bowman.